With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Patty Holster and this is K Wild Radio. And it's Thursday, everyone. <laughs> That's better than Monday, any day of the week. So we are almost on Friday and that means weekend. I know. It just comes here and it's there and then before you know it it's gone again. Wish it would stay around in a while. Just like all of you. I wanted to list a couple of people I need to shout out for. Uh, Christopher, again, uh, I've been mentioning this on another program, but I mention it again because uh, if you didn't listen the first time, you should listen the sixth time. <laughs> Christopher is trying to get from Malaysia to Finland. So his project is called To Finland or Bust. If you're looking for a direct, direct link, it's on underneath the chat box. Information, a direct link to his uh, well, his crowdfunding project well, is right there. All you need to do is click it. Otherwise, if you go to youcaring.com, you can find it under To Finland or Bust. I helped him come up with that. <laughs> uh, I said the thing and he took it. You know, that's what people are. So. To Finland or bust, you guys need to you know, help him out a little bit. Every little bit helps. He needs to get a visa. He needs to get his, you know, uh, needs to get his shots. <laughs> Those people in Finland, you never know. So, remember, every little bit helps. And it's a young man who's eager to get started. Wants to work there. That needs a new start. So, that one. And also... Uh, I'm not sure how our friends at Helsinki are doing, but I have to take a look at them sometime uh, this weekend and see how they're doing on their Kickstarter. But that's a movie, and it's also a local movie. So it's Arizona, born and bred. All you Arizonans can help a little bit and get the movie to distribution. Also, we have some older friends who were at an original, uh, our first newspaper for the WAD. We have publicized their 
their movie at that time. Locker 13. Locker 13 needs uh, a little bit of help at the at the end here. They're trying to get into mass distribution, and of course, all that takes money. Independent publish independent uh, filmmaker here in Arizona. They even have their own western town, a little, little further out from uh, Fort McDowell. I'm talking about the, you know, where you, where you guys go gamble. So if you're going to spend your money on gambling, why don't you save a little bit of it and put it towards a movie? You might get credits, and that'd be kind of cool. So that's our three shout-outs for the day. Want to introduce Scott Wood. Scott is a friend of ours. Uh, looks like he already called in. Yeah, Scott's a, f- a friend of a friend. <laughs> He's a friend of Bob Nelson, and, and those of you know who know me and know Bob, um, we often try to help our people out. Uh, he helps my people. I help his people. We all meet in the middle. Then we party. So Scott is a, you know, here I thought he was, he was just a poet, but, you know, Bob gave me a list of all these other things he does. But most importantly to me, of course, is that he lives in Ohio. So with that, Scott, are you there? I am here, yes. <laughs> uh, not sure if you heard what I just said. I yes. said the most the most important thing about you right now is that you are you live in Ohio. Go Bucks. <laughs> and I'm from there. Which part? Toledo. Well, that's okay. I, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's close to Toledo, actually. With Napoleon, I was born in Napoleon, which is about okay. 25 miles from Toledo. Yeah. Yeah, pretty close to the border. There. Yeah. Yeah, I've been here since I was nine, but you know, a lot of my family is still there. And of course, you know, your roots never never move. You know how they are. How they that are is. roots, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had let uh, my family know that uh, I was going to be broadcasting tonight. Uh, for somebody from their, from the state of Ohio, they're all going like, "Wow, you know, it just seems to bring them a little closer to me." <laughs> excellent, most excellent. So I I know about you, I know a little bit about you, but for the masses, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, by day I'm a librarian, but by any other time of day, I am a writer. Uh, most significantly a poet, and I've been writing poetry uh, probably about 20 years, probably only about 10 of those count, So, um, and I've released a number of, uh, you know, chat books and that type of thing. Um, I've published a couple of anthologies. I've appeared in some anthologies. Uh, I've appeared on National Public Radio a few times, and um, this year, uh, through the good graces of Brick Cave Books, I have published my first full-length collection of poetry, uh, We Over Here Now, which came out uh, technically in February, um, mm-hmm. January, February. 
So that's been a lot of fun, and, and it's been a great crew and a good time pushing the book. Just to let everybody know, I am also including Scott's Facebook page here, so that way you get to know him a little better. Some things he's yeah, doing, yeah. and uh, yeah, you you know, <laughs> when I first saw your your cover and first saw the title, I was I was wondering, I'm going like, okay, is this guy really deep, or is he just you know, <laughs> or is he psychotic? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm really deep, um, okay. as it turns out. <laughs> no, the um, the title and the cover um, is actually all a very uh, pointed statement about um, black poets and how their work is perceived and how it is received. And it's kind of a shot across the bow uh, against the idea, you know, stated or unstated, that uh, black poets largely um, need to write uh, very apparently black work. Um, and obviously, I think all my poems are inherently black. But on the surface, obviously, there are some that, you know, not necessarily so. And I don't think that that should be like a big deal. I, I really don't even know if that should be something that that's worth mentioning. But I did want to kind of point out the idea that, you know, we are writing about a great many things in this day and age because we are a great many things in this day and age. And mm-hmm. um, it always distressed me, you know, to see, uh, a, you know, a black poet's first book and it would always be, you know, bit remarkably black. I mean, if it was them, it was them, that was great. But then you would see them like two books later and it felt like they were writing the stuff that they really wanted to write or that they really felt like they could get away with after they'd done all the other very obviously black work. And so I just kind of wanted to address that in a first book like that. That's kind of what the point is. And, and of course, the cover features a shipwreck, which, you know, is kind of a play on the idea of slavery and the whole notion that, um, you know, that you have a removed people, you have a people taken away from a place and put somewhere else, and we over here now. And, and so this is what we're doing since we're over here now. Hmm. Well, I got it. When I looked at the cover, the first thing I was thinking of war, mm. and perhaps a uh, you know somebody who uh, a poet who wanted to wanted to you know say his opinion on on political endeavors and war. But then I read some of your some of your work, and and honestly, you know, honestly, and I'm gonna say this because. Many people know that uh, I've I've got a, I've got several African American poets that I've done books for, and yeah. I've I got a bunch of them that were fiction. So um, I had to say that when I was reading, I really didn't couldn't tell. I, I mean, I could tell that you that you were you're in an urban area, but other than that, you really you know from what I saw so far. I couldn't really tell for sure that I didn't couldn't tell that you were African American until I saw your picture. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that doesn't right. really matter to me. That's probably one reason. Yeah, you know, maybe somebody yeah. else would have picked up on that, but I, I don't, I don't hang that way. So, um, 
it doesn't matter because it, it's something that they're. But I, I understand what you're saying because I, I've I've got one who you could definitely tell by the style that you know he was talking not only about urban issues but you know um, some problems that are, that are apparent with urban urban African Americans. So uh, and of course he brought it up. I mean he he even had one that was very very very. Uh, you know, slamming almost almost to his own to his own race. So <laughs> it wasn't really slamming, but what he was trying to do was was trying to wake him up and say, "Hey, you know, uh, you you can be African American this way, or you can be African American the other way." Sure. Well, so you're you a know, li- you're a librarian, though. But, yeah, by trade. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not degreed, though. I always, I guess, I always have to point that out. But yeah. That's pretty much what I've been doing the last 20 years. Now, you say by degree, does that mean that you weren't educated to be a librarian or that you were educated to be a librarian? I was not. I was not. Um, I got the job as a shelver. (laughs) And uh, and while I'm no longer a shelver, I'm technically not a trade librarian. I don't have the degree. Okay. Okay. But yeah. in this day and age, there isn't much difference. Yeah, I, I often wonder why in the world they needed to have uh, degrees in the first place. I mean, you love books, <laughs> and that's where you should be. Yeah. No, there's a whole skill set that goes with that. So, you know, yeah. I said two pieces of people who really love books. Well, maybe three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Librarian. <laughs> Librarians, bookstores, and they should be writing. You know, one of the three. Right. Um, or reading, you know, because, you know, we ha- we can't write unless we have readers. True. Although librarians don't get to do uh, much reading on the job. <laughs> They're not allowed to? to? All the... Not really. Uh, we mostly just get our pick of the books, and then we have to, you know, get them all home and do what we will, you know. Okay, I I know an, uh, a librarian, a head librarian in Prescott, which is you know up north from here, and she does uh, book reviews for for the newspaper for me, and so she she also gets the best stuff she sees that come in, or she actually can she actually can actually order it, so <laughs> so since yeah. she orders it, she knows it comes in and and she can you know pull it and and review it, um, so. That's cool. <laughs> you get the yeah. best of the best there. Yeah. Sometimes you don't you don't know cool. what the best is though, you know? There's so many books out there. Well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And you'll never read them all. You'll never even read half of them. So even of the ones that you like, you'll never read uh-huh. half of them. That's true. That's true. There's never enough hours in a day, are there? No. <laughs> so so our question is, uh, I'm going to usually ask about you know, how you write and what got you into writing. Um, I think I, I, I think it's pretty simple. I think life got me into writing. Um, I was always interested in trying to express myself through some artistic avenue, uh, drawing, painting, music, writing, different types of writing. 
And um, largely, I spent uh, my time trying to figure out what was the best way for me to convey uh, what it is I was feeling or thinking or observing or being. And more times than not, um, you know, for every song that I wrote, I wrote ten poems. You know, for every short story that I wrote, I wrote another ten poems. And so poetry just sort of took over. And, um, you know, I'm smart enough to know to throw my strength behind my successes, you know. Um, And so that's pretty much how that took off for me. Hmm. Well, that's good. Now, what what did your family think about your writing? They didn't think anything about it. They, um, you know, my, I come from a largely, uh, you know, hardworking, pretty stock family, and so you know, any pursuit like that should have been no more than a hobby. And so, um, you know, to spend any time or money or resources on it at all really was kind of verboten, you know. So uh, there were a lot of years where me writing really anything didn't get any respect, and and that was okay. I understood, and to be honest with you, um, I didn't know it at the time, but it wasn't something necessarily that needed respecting. It wasn't great work with any consistency and and it wasn't really netting me much, you know, I wasn't getting paid or published very much for a while. And um it was only when I started to do certain performances and certain types of venues that, you know, my mother started to take notice. And once you had my mother, then the other ones would kind of fall in line, but you know, convincing her would be was the hardest job of all really that it had any merit. So uh, you don't have any uh, family close by you then? No, actually I do. Uh, We're too close probably um, (laughs) in terms of proximity. But um, no, we're all here in Columbus, uh, So at least my immediate family. So, um, But now the relationship is very different. You know, um, poetry has taken me a great many places that I – would never have gone before, never would have seen, uh, met people and done things I never would have done or people I never would have met. And um, it's hard to argue with that kind of success, you know. So when uh, when you're struggling, you know, for a job or you're trying to figure out what to do with your life and, you know, and I'm getting flown out to do some college gig or something, you know, it's hard to really look at what I'm doing as the weird thing, you know. Hmm. Now I I know about your your poetry slamming, and I also know in 2006 you became the first poet to ever complete a 24-hour solo poetry reading. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is. yeah. What are, what are the rule What are the rules there? I mean, you well, you take you know. Bathroom breaks does that count, or do you have to still be reciting some kind of poetry while you while you're in the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just gross. Um, no, uh, basically, um, it occurred to me to try it, mostly because I'm just you know it was a mountain. I saw the mountain. I wanted to climb it. I did a little research to see if anybody had done it officially. I really didn't find much. Um, 
and I had some experience with 24-hour open mics uh, prior to that, but nothing where one person was kind of carrying the weight. Um, but there were a few rules. I, I did take breaks, um, whether I wanted to or not, just because you're, you're not always the best gauge, you know, once you're 6, 8, 12 hours in. You really don't have, you're not the best uh, person to determine your health at that point. Yeah. So you just kind of got to get into a habit and a routine and say, okay, at the last five or ten minutes of each hour, I'm going to take a break, um, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, but that time counts, you know, that all counts. 24 hours, but no way, any way you cut it. It's not like you're getting any sleep. And um, I don't eat, um, and I don't sleep, and I don't repeat any poems. And the work is a combination of my work and, and other people's work. And the first year that I did it, it was very kind of ragtag. Um, it was uh, it was um, you know the, I was just picking poems at random, hmm. and that uh, while it was kind of cool at the time, it became very difficult afterwards to track and to figure out what I had read versus what I hadn't, and so on. And so um, after that, every year after that, I decided to dedicate hours to specific poets, and that's worked out a lot better. Hmm. Well, that does sound like a, a better idea. Then, if, especially if you organize it ahead of time, then people would know what they want to come in and and uh, listen to. And you did yeah. this at, at the Writer's Block Poetry Night location? Well, not exactly. Um, I did it at the venue where we have that show, yeah. Um, but uh, it was on a separate night all its own, obviously. Uh, we have a regular Wednesday, Wednesday show in that venue. The venue is a place called Cafe Kerouac, after Jack Kerouac. And um, it's a really cool spot. We've been there a number of years now doing our regular Wednesday show. And when I needed to find a new venue for the 24-hour reading after the first year, they were more than happy to open their doors to do it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so this yeah. is your first your first book. Does I first what's the link one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Full, full length. So you've done some, I know that you've done some, because uh, you recently did another smaller piece. I did. I did a chat book, yeah. It was, and um, that was, uh, online only, so it's only digital. I didn't print it up, or and I'm not selling it. It's basically a gift, and so it just kind of sits out there in the universe, and people seem really attracted to this. It's the second time I've done a digital, free, online chat book. Um, technically, it's the third, but really, um, within the last couple of years, I've done two of them, and um, they're really great exercises for me because I write that material within a very a restricted amount of time, like a day or two days or three days, and then I put it all together and I just throw it out there, and um, and it's a very um, I love it. I think it's a very gratifying process. I never feel more like an artist than when I'm doing something like that. You know, something where your time is totally dedicated to to that art um, in a very uh, prolonged way. You know. Mm. That's so what what would you call your style? 
as a poet, uh, I am um, largely a free verse poet. Um, my work, um, mo most most of it, I would say 95% of it, is free verse uh, in one style or shape or tone of another. Um, not, I have nothing against other forms or tighter forms or more traditional forms or older forms. I do those uh, on occasion as well. Um, but, you know, being largely from a performance background, um, I find that free verse really uh, works with the natural voice that I've developed as a writer. So it just all kind of locks for me in free verse, where for a lot of people it just sounds like conversations or Mm -hmm. Just random prose. But for me, I, I like to think that I have a, a particular rhythm and a particular style that still keeps the poetry front and center. You know. <laughs> now you've got something coming up on the twenty-sixth. So Shedden. Yeah. A blue, blue poetry experience. Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, this is awesome. <clears throat> if I don't mind telling you. Um, Last year, a friend of mine, and Louise Robertson, who's also a very prolific poet, we decided we wanted to do something, a poetry show, that was very different than anything else that we had even seen, let alone done. We're both organizers. We both work on that regular Writer's Block Poetry Night show. And so we really wanted to do something different, like completely different with, with poetry. And our first rule was that it be completely fun. We wanted it to be fun on every level. And while I think that my regular show is pretty fun, um, we wanted to do something different. And so we decided that we wanted to do something outdoors. We wanted to do something uh, that had like a juke joint ambiance, uh, which means it also starts very late. It doesn't even start till 10 o'clock at night. We decided we would only do it once. Um, we would have blues music and we would have southern food cooked and served and the whole nine. And uh, we wow. would create set pieces and decorations and the whole thing. And it was awesome. It was a wonderful time. Everybody had a blast. They had such a good time that they it just kept coming up. And so we're doing another one uh, <laughs> next week. <laughs> um, so last July, now this July. And um, <clears throat> I'm excited. I think that we're really going to amp it up a little bit. We're going to turn the volume up, so to speak, on the content, on the ambiance. Everything's just a little bigger and better this year. For those of you who don't not sure what I'm talking about, I'm including this in the chat information. Uh, so Facebook, he's got an event page so that we can find out more about this, especially if you live anywhere in Ohio. Uh, you can definitely get in on this. It should be, it should be a lot of fun. Oh, it would be awesome. I, we actually included live music this time. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like like really cool. I like the idea of the music. Yeah, yeah. So it was mostly uh, inspirational last year, but this year it's actual. So. Okay, okay, and you're doing that with Louise, I see. Yes. Louise is also yeah. an author, a friend of, uh, you know, Brick Cave Media's. Yeah, we're yeah. trying to get her to get her manuscript together. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think you need to, you know, prod her a little. <laughs> I suppose I'm supposed to be your partner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that She's way I can really start awesome. writing. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, sometimes authors do, you know, and I think poets, is, I poets, you know, I have, they always seem to be writing something. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, they can, uh, I made that something once about being able to write on little scraps of paper, uh, anything that they can, anything they can write on uh, as they get inspired. And I think that the authors, you know, sometimes they, uh, they do the same thing. It's like a scene gets in their head. Have you ever had that happen? All the time. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I I frequently uh, am struck with ideas for poems while I'm at the desk uh, serving customers at the library. And so I come home with pockets full of little scraps of paper. <laughs> oh, good. You're normal then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is coming up for you? Other than the, you know, I see that you do you do quite a few. Uh, you go and spit at a, quite a few of these little places in town, and uh, do you get outside of Columbus at all? I do. Um, although I've slowed that down in the last year or so, just so that I could focus more on what was happening locally. Um, I spent about 10 years or so uh, working very um, hard and long days uh, on behalf of Poetry Slam in a very official capacity with uh, Poetry Slam Incorporated, who runs the national competitions and all that. They're a nonprofit. <laughs> and uh, that's that's a lot of work. It's hard work. It's volunteer work for the, for the most part. And um, it's it's pretty much nonstop. And so for about 10 years or so, I was doing that. I was the president of that organization for many years. And then I decided about uh, a year and some change that I would, um, I wouldn't run again. I, you know, I didn't want to run again to be president or to serve on the council. I just wanted to kind of bring everything that I had learned at the national level home and really help my local scene build and um, and benefit from their work and, and from the things that I know that they're capable of. And so that's pretty much what I did. I, so I, I haven't been on the road as much in the last year, year and a half, um, because I really enjoyed throwing uh, myself into the local and the regional stuff, <clears throat> you know, going to other people's shows and participating in other people's shows and creating shows for other people. But yeah, so, uh, so but how I'm, did? I'm, mm-hmm. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I've thought, but yeah, in the past, I'm frequently out of town. Um, you know, I was doing trips to New York or Chicago, you know, once or twice a year, easy. Um, but uh, and I still try to squeeze those in when I can, and you know, when nothing's happening uh, that isn't you know keeping me from doing that. I love. You know, those cities, I I love the road, um, you know, at a certain level. So, yeah. Good. Uh, well, you have to get around. It does, uh, do you think it helps to cultivate your work by hearing others? What's that? Do you feel that it cultivates your work by hearing others, you know, what they're, what they're talking about? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I... I'm a I'm a huge advocate of open mics. Um, 
I mean, just enormous advocate. I think that even, you know, I think the tendency, all the things that poets tend to do when they're blocked or when they can't write or they can't come up with ideas, you know, for some, you know, for some reason they feel like to them that means I can't go to open mic because I don't have a poem to share. And I'm like, that's exactly when you're supposed to go to open mic, you know. <laughs> you know, it's steel sharp and steel. You know, you need to go. It's not really about being competitive. It's about learning, you know, and you can learn so much from even a bad poem, right? So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm always, um, I'm always digging that, I, you know, and I love just sitting in the back. I don't need to read every time I go somewhere. I'm just kind of soaking it all in. <laughs> um. A friend of yours said something about a Stephen King train set. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, uh, you know, he he does that. He gives you just enough to really pique your attention. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I have to ask. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, um, that, that's a funny story. So one of my favorite writers is Stephen King. And uh, a hobby that I've picked up in the last couple of years was model railroading. And uh, it was really just on a whim. There was really nothing to it. I uh, just, you know, going to pick up a new hobby. And um, I eventually determined that I would marry the two loves. And so what I've been creating very slowly and <laughs> painstakingly, uh, slowly, I think, is um, a table, a model table that has a train set on it. But, it, you know, and every train set has to have a town and little things on it. And so this town is just comprised of scenes from Stephen King's stories and books and novels. And so I've tried to cram as many references into the model as I can. Okay. So I'm looking at it. And yeah, it got its own blog. It was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah. And uh, what what is this about? A scene from Shaw, Shawshank Redemption on top of the roof? Yeah, there's a scene in the story and the movie where the guys, the prisoners, are up on a roof. They're retarring a roof. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and uh, so there's a scene of that, that moment in the film. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But, yeah, it's, there's a scene where they're <laughs> up there with the guards from the prison and, you know, and uh, and that's happening. So, yeah, some of the scenes are very normal looking, but if you if you are a fan of Stephen King's work on, on any level, some of them will pop out to you. Um, yeah, that doesn't seem, seem to be an interesting level because he talks about how how normal little things in life um, can make you feel like a human. Mm-hmm. So uh, that uh, was an interesting scene because of that. Yeah, I um, you know, I I'm really drawn to King's work because he he takes the very normal and the very average, and he does something just slightly, you know, macabre to it, and um, and that's perfect for model railroading because it's all about. Americana and capturing eras and capturing, you know, just kind of everyday life, and it's very easy to tweak that just enough 
to make it relevant to Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> I think Cujo's on tonight, I think. Oh, I, saw something, I saw something about that on television. Cujo, I haven't seen that in a long, long time. But uh, I think that yeah, might look better. <laughs> yeah, write it in better, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I, I can never understand how they made Children of the Corn into an actual full-length movie. Uh, you know, it's just a short story. <laughs> Let alone seven of them, but yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm, how, how in the world did that happen? <laughs> yeah. That was bad, too. <laughs> well, you know, I think probably one of the coolest things about Stephen King is he makes sure that he always does a cameo in every movie. <laughs> Most of them, anyway, yeah. Uh-huh. Most of them. Most well, of them. I'm not that's sure. I don't, a good time. I don't recall if he did one on Firestarter. But uh, almost all of the rest of them, even ones on television, he's done. Mm-hmm. I have. I'll share this with you. Uh, one of the one of my favorite ones is Rose Red, which is about the haunted house in the middle of New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's one scene in the in the in the show where the pizza guy comes and delivers the pizza, right? And it's it's Stephen King, and so he says, "I heard that this is." Uh, this is a haunted house, and and so the the one, the one guy got really rude and slammed the door in his face. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just was laughing. I thought that was so so great that he could, uh, he could do that to the creator of the of the of the, uh, <laughs> of the book because it's funny. <laughs> no, yeah, I think uh, he's a funny guy. Yeah, I, th- I think that there's there's some others that were just like, wow, and he, he just immersed uh, himself into one one of the scenes in uh, Creep Show. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, he played one of the the main characters in one of the scenes because Creep Show is like a like a bunch of small stories, right? And and so I don't ever forget this, and it's. it's uh, cause I've only seen it once, but you know Stephen King's kind of like yeah. that. You you see it once, or you, or you visualize it once from reading it, and you it never gets out of your head. Yeah. Well, the first <laughs> thing I did for the model railroad was that very story out of Creepshow, actually. Yeah. Weeds. <laughs> it was Weeds. originally based yes. on a yeah. short story called Weeds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't remember what the short story name was. That's it. <laughs> yeah. 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 That just totally took over, and uh, yeah, that was really creepy. Uh, yeah. In in a in a backwoods kind of way, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Now, you know, Children of the Corn, you know, that could have been like in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not wholly convinced that it wasn't, so Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and, and about the corn, um we'll just I'm gonna start this out to tell everybody in this world that Ohio corn is the best corn in the world. It's got that. It's got that taste. I mean, you cannot get that taste from corn here in you know, anywhere near Arizona. So, is that right? Yeah, as I, I've I've had you know obviously family members and friends who actually grew corn in Ohio, and there is just something about it. Doesn't matter what part of Ohio. You are, it all tastes the same. And it's all really dang good, man. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, it's children of the corn with, with, with because Ohio has so much corn. And uh, it, they, a, lot of, a lot of the farmers grow corn down there. And so you have to think about, hmm, gee, <laughs> uh, it could very well have come from some ideas from, from that area. Now, I do know that, that he lives in Maine, but um, that doesn't mean he doesn't, you know, get around. <laughs> sure. So saving King Trains, that, that, is, that does make you eclectic. Good for you. <laughs> it's official. It's official. He's eclectic. Now, you know, I, I meet people who are, he's, he was telling me that you do slams, you paint, uh, you're musical, and all this. I said, well, that's, you know, honestly, that's not unusual. Because person <laughs> who's person who's creative usually has multitude of things that they're creative at. Absolutely. So, you know, here you are, a librarian who works with books, and it's a natural thing for you to pick up a paintbrush or, and, and want to actually paint because it's it, it's a different extension of your of your creativity. So that's not unusual, but the train set definitely did it. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the yeah, I um... Well, I'm, you know, I'm a storyteller, so I just I just try to figure out how the story wants to be told, and then that's what I do. Definitely an interesting way to do it. Definitely, you know, to bring that out, uh, to show your different uh, different talent altogether. And, of course, you're still working with your hands. You created something, you know, with your hands. You're still creating. Well, still I creating. think that's very important to do. I think every artist needs something, whether it's ultimately artistic or not, they need something that gets their hands dirty. Mm. I always wanted to do pottery. I thought that would be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, 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 should, you should do ceramics when I was younger. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that kind of stuff, you know, just take a little, little more money to do that kind of thing. But uh, definitely would be fun to get you know, do again. And I never have hear you got thinking about it. So, so for those who know me, and if I start getting into pottery, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that hit. <laughs> now, the one thing that's unusual is that you are a food critic, because apparently you you like you you are a disciple of the altar of food, as somebody said about you. My food is my religion. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So tell well, us. Um, what's that? Tell us how that works. You go. Are you a critic of other food uh, restaurants that in your area? That kind of thing. Uh, not just. Um, actually, I've. Um, I you know it's funny. Food is you know I when I say oh it's my religion you know it, it sounds very funny, but it it kind of takes the place of, you know where of an actual religion would kind of sit in one's life for me. And um, which explains so many things, but um, at some point I, you know, I just like talking about stuff, writing about stuff, and sharing things. I think I won't be able to rest until I feel like I've downloaded my entire personality onto the internet. But food <laughs> was a th- 
something that was kind of like, well, I mean, it's so it's so important to me. Like a good meal is just like a memory you're going to hold forever. If it's like a really great meal in a great place and doing a great thing. And so I just wanted to write about that. And But, of course, naturally, uh, the reviews um, that I write that the people are actually drawn to are the ones that are bad, you know, the places that I hate or that I have food that I despise. And if I'm honest, those are the more passionate, well-written reviews. Um, so I wrote a blog. Um, and then, of course, I always have to make things racial, not because I'm – exceedingly racial, but because I think it's an important thing to tackle in as many ways as possible. Uh, and so I, I also occasionally use the reviews in a way to address the idea of race on top of the fact that it's a food review. So, yeah, some of the places have been local, some of them have not. Um, one of the most notable places um, was a southern uh, restaurant um, down in the Carolinas uh, that I was really looking forward to, and then when I finally got there myself, it was just, it, it was deplorable. And naturally, you know, with the historical significance kind of tied into the culture of the area and me being black and the whole thing, that the food review took on so many other angles, you know. Um, but it, while still retaining its complete humor, you know, to me, it, it's a food review. Ultimately, you can't taste the food as a reader. I can't convey to you what flavor is. So ultimately, I fall back on, well, if nothing else, the review has to be funny, you know. <laughs> so it's not like a film okay. review. It's not like a book review, you know. Ultimately, you cannot have what I had, you know. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's, you got the yeah. food in front of you, and you enjoy enjoy it in a way, a different way than we do. Sure. So, yeah. Um, I, I learned one thing about um, about people <laughs> recently, yeah. in that you can build an experience and you build an event, and it can go off without any problems whatsoever, except that if they don't have food or if the food is really bad, or if the service is bad, your whole event is ruined. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because absolutely. People, people don't forgive the food. Yeah. <laughs> don't forget. And, and I believe that if you're going to offer it, it, is, it has to be worthwhile. I mean, it's, it's food is, right. I mean, you, you need it. <laughs> so why, why scrimp on it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, there there's been a lot of uh thought about that and I said that's okay. So I tell others now, it says they say, Well, we'll just, you know, throw some snacks in here. I said, No. <laughs> you absolutely have to plan what you're going to have to give these people because if you give them you give them that kind of stuff, uh, they're gonna they're gonna take you to the cleaner. <laughs> they're they're gonna mm-hmm. hog tie you and they're going to give you bad reviews. <laughs> yeah. So you got to give them good, decent food, otherwise you're you're shot. Yeah, that found out to be definitely true. Now, Mr. Bob has also told me to ask you about 
Oh, <laughs> we we have something in common, which is kind of funny that he wrote this, but I think that he probably meant it to be funny. Mm. Uh, that you're a Prince fan? Yeah, that's not a joke. <laughs> There's nothing funny about that. Yeah. <laughs> so he he said, be sure to ask you about it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's um, you know, there are a few uh, artists <clears throat> that even though I don't necessarily do what they do, I am inspired by their example. And hmm. uh, Prince is one of those people for me. Aside from the fact that he has created like a song for every occasion for everybody on the planet over at some point in his career. And besides the fact that he has revolutionized music and he has revolutionized the industry, and besides the fact that he still looks the way he did, you know, 25 years ago, um, all of that aside, the example that he sets as 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 a worker, as a man who works at his craft, who works at his art, who really tries to gather uh, inspiration from the world around him and turn that into something truly unique and creative and original um, is, you know, maddeningly inspiring to me, you know. And there's there's a handful of people who create in one way, shape, or form that I feel that way about, but Prince is really probably at the top of that list for me. I have learned something about him recently about how giving he is. If he sees a cause, he's he's on top of it. You yeah, know, he he's a, he's a massive philanthropist. So, you sure, know, that's sure. that's something right there. Is you know, uh, it's a matter of giving back to to the community, and he feels very strongly about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, I don't think I would actually want to meet Prince. I don't know that his personality would. (laughs) I don't know that I would be able to speak. It would just be awkward. You You can't really hang with them, kind of thing. Yeah. I don't think. I mean, you know, you hear stories about people who can, but I don't think I'm one of them. (laughs) I think I would just be in too much awe. I would. I would just want to hang out in the studio all the time. You know. And uh, I don't think he would want to do that with me around. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he might really get into what you do. Yeah, uh, you know, I've written a, a lot of poems about Prince, so I think at some point, you know, his narcissism would kick in, and and, <laughs> and that might put me over. You know, but <laughs> if you'd want him to, to hear it sometime, that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's an interesting person. He's definitely an interesting person. And I, the thing is that I happen to like his music too. So, it's uh, yes. I was wondering if if Bob was trying to be funny or not. So I'm glad this. Not at all. I think he just wanted to see if I would turn into like a little fanatic or something. But I'm pretty I'm pretty good at playing it cool when it comes to Prince. There we go. So so it didn't work. Whatever his evil plan was. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Poor Bob. Uh, no. Spoiled <laughs> again. He's probably listening. He, he didn't. He hasn't said anything. So he's being pretty quiet over there. Either he's not listening yet, or uh, counting all his money. <laughs> well, oh, counting all that book right. money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> I I happen to know what it's like to be a publisher. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, uh, and that's one one reason why I say some people think I'm jumping ship. Yeah, it's like, it's like what are you what are you doing? You're starting to you know publish your work with another publisher. So it's yeah. <laughs> Hey, you know, it's about time that I, I focus on my writing instead of all your guys's. So, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so, absolutely. Uh, you know, Bob offered, and I, I said, I said, you know, it's kind of funny because I was con- considering that I'm moving, and and actually sending some work out to other publishers, have them have them deal with that part, and uh, and that way I can do my writing. Uh, it's, it takes a lot of work, as you know. Sure, a lot of work sure. Out there yeah, well, and, you know, you, you can't never let them forget that you're an also, you're also an artist. Um, I know, you know, because I emcee my weekly show. If I, you know, I don't always read a poem every week, and so, but we have new people who come every week, and if somebody comes and I don't read a poem, and then they come again and they come again. At some point, they think I'm not a poet, which is completely ridiculous from where I'm sitting. But you know, I I have to keep reminding them all the time. You know, hey, you know, I'm not doing this because I like to organize things. I'm very unorganized. You know, I like to do art. I like to create art and be around artists. And so you always have to kind of, I think, you always have to kind of stay in the ring a little bit. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And and that's the, that's the issue. It wasn't staying in the ring enough. So uh, so now I got to do that. But yeah, you yeah. have to you have to you have to have your you know to speak it all the time. Otherwise, yeah. you know they they very quickly forget that you that you do these other things. So you write you you write a lot and you you paint. Tell us about your paintings. We haven't touched that yet. Oh, uh, if we must. Uh, it's the least of my talent. Um, so I actually have put painting on hold so that I could better focus on other things um, that I'm actually pretty good at, you know. So it's like mm-hmm. I said earlier, I, I tend to throw my energy behind my successes, you know. So uh, painting, while it's been real, um, I don't do that with any consistency. Um, I've had... A little success with it, but nothing really to crow about. And to be honest with you, I have yet to paint a painting um, as well as I can write a poem. Like when, if you give me something to write about, I can do. I can. I can write about anything. I can write about a piece of paper on a table, you know. But um, I, I can't. I can't even paint the thing that I like. You know that I really mean to paint. I can't nail it. You know, and so until so, you know, that, and that's very frustrating. And it's, and painting is one of those things. It's like writing, where it's like you kind of because you have you use language and words all the time. You're always kind of developing the tools that ah, you might write yeah. with one day, and you don't, but you don't even know it. You just kind of are. And then one day you're struck with something, and, and then you write, right? But painting isn't like that. If you don't practice painting, it doesn't just come to you like that. So, uh, and I don't, you know, and for me, painting is not practice. You know, I just paint, and I set out, this is the painting I'm going to do. And uh, and then it doesn't happen, and then painting doesn't happen for a year, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yes, well, I, that, I have done and it. That's, I and that's to okay. Do it. And that's yeah. okay, yeah. you know? 
Um, those little failures. Well, you know, I was going to ask you about, and then you kind of, kind of did answer it, but have you ever watched Night Gallery? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know how you have, like, like paintings that tell a story? And so if you ever look at paintings and say, and, and then start writing poetry about it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, there are, <laughs> I have a couple of, like, failed paintings that, you know, it's like I said earlier, I, you know, I'm a storyteller. I try to find the medium for the story. And um, there's a couple of paintings that just, they weren't going anywhere or I couldn't realize them. And so I just said, you know what, this is going to be a poem instead. And I did it, you know. There you and go. that's okay. So it, it got out of your head one way or the other. So what you're saying is that what you have in your head, you're having trouble getting on paint. But then you turn around and make it into a poem, which says so that you are getting that image out of your head. Well, the image never leaves. That's the thing. I need that. Um, oh, okay. I, that image is is still very present because, if, I mean, it's going to be weird because I can't really describe the process. But, you know, I still need the thing that I was shooting for, even if the, the venue changes. So hmm. I know what I was gunning for, and now I'm just trying to capture that just with words now. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you have coming up? What you're working on now? Well, um... Once next week's show is done, it, I, I kind of, my schedule opens up immensely. <laughs> so <laughs> once shedding is done, um, that's a good question. You know, I think uh, it'll be time to start thinking about. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I have to be completely honest with you. I, I'm so focused on like the next week, and I have been for like the last few months. That uh, I felt like I was going to need time to recover, so I didn't plan anything. <laughs> yeah, I understand how that is. You you plan and planning for 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 an event, and then afterwards you're like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to even consider what was right and wrong. I just you know what yeah. what, what what good? No, I just want to decompress. Pretty much. Um, yeah. Now, my weekly show, you know, every Wednesday night won't let me completely uh, step away, but and I don't want it to. I still need that show. You know, that show's a big outlet for me. But, um, but yeah, I I won't want to feel like I have to do anything for a little while. Mm-hmm. Now, where do you do your regular show at? Uh, we're at a place called Cafe Kerouac. Uh, which is uh, right next to OSU campus in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And we're there every Wednesday doing what we do, uh, open mic every week and sometimes slams and sometimes featured readers and always fairly irreverent. So, yeah, it's a good time. We've got a poetry slam of championships here in Phoenix this weekend. Yes. Do you have anything to say to your fellow poets? Have fun. And I know that uh, if you win, you're going to have fun, but I need every slammer in the world to have fun when they're not winning and to remember uh, that that is more important 
than a lot of the other agendas that you are going to bring to it. Um, if it's not fun, then don't do it. And I don't mean poetry. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's not fun, don't do it. Um, you know, I, uh, myself, uh, I was competing to be on our national team that was, you know, that's going away here, you know, in a very short period of time next month to go compete at the National Slam. And I was, you know, lining up to get in contention uh, to be on that team. And at some point during the season, I just stopped. I said, you know, I I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that this year. You know, I, I want to keep having the kind of fun that I'm having right now. And so I pulled out of the, out of the running, so to speak. And um, that's the best thing I could have done for myself. Uh, right now because, you know, because I made that decision, I was able to throw the energy in the other directions. I was able to put on another mini-series of shows. I was able to, you know, produce a chat book. I was able to, you know, do a number of things that wouldn't happen if I was worried about rehearsing and raising money and travel plans and blah, 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 you know, do all these things so I could go all the way to Boston and read two poems for a week, you know. Yeah, I'm good. yeah. I'm good. Yeah, you have to pick, plan, you have to pick your battle, so to speak. You know. Yeah. Yeah, you have to do that and say, you know, I don't want to do this because there's, I've been there, done that, and I want to do something else. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and I love it. I'll be back. I'm not going anywhere, but you know, mm-hmm. you got to kind of play that by ear, I think. You know, and I think when mm-hmm. you make it something you have to do, even when it's not fun, that you're, you're, you're. You're hurting something that you have no business hurting, you know, either your art or your soul or something. There's something that you're doing wrong, you know, when you do, when you feel like you have to do something you don't want to do that ultimately you really don't have to do. You know, it's not your, it's not like your job. You know, your job you got to do, even if you don't like it, but not this. Apparently you like being a librarian. Well, you know, look, uh, I got to eat. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm saying that that's good. As you, well, would you, I, rather... you know, I love the idea. I like the idea. You know, the oh, job okay. has changed a lot over the years. You know, the Internet completely changed that field. So it's wow. not the same job that I signed up for, if I'm, if I'm completely honest. So I had to find other merits in it. Hmm. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. You know, but uh, graphic design, for instance, that's, that's something that totally changed you, and that's what I have been for 23 years. So uh, you have to take a different avenue because everybody yeah. trying to everybody thinks they're a graphic designer now because they have a computer. That's <laughs> 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 uh, so like say that's like saying everybody's an artist because they have a paintbrush. <laughs> sure. Sure. So we have some things in common, and that's cool. That's cool. I yeah. so enjoy talking to you. It's, it's uh, been I thought, my I thought, pleasure. I, I have to start with Ohio because we know we definitely have those things in common, and we can we can build from there. And uh, and so we have. So it's, it's been a very you know it's been over an hour. <laughs> Great. We've been sitting here talking. I've had a wonderful time. Yeah, it's been awesome. Well, I have a question for you that I ask uh, some of my guests 
and uh, the most interesting ones because they all have different answers. So there's no right or wrong answer. It all has to do with your personality. So the question is, now that you have successfully slain the dragon, how will you celebrate? Which dragon? <laughs> Whichever dragon. Your dragon. Um, you know what? I celebrate by uh, doing more work. I love the work of it. Um, I mean, I you know, it's funny to me to hear people occasionally mention that they are going to retire from poetry or retire from writing. And I don't I don't really see that as something that's even really possible if it's in you, you know. I yeah, think yeah. unless you're just done expressing yourself or you're done feeling things or you're done learning things, then I really don't know how that comes out of your mouth, you know, in any earnestness, you know, but but uh, to me, it's, you know, I, I celebrate doing the work. I love doing the work of it, you know. I love mm-hmm. being a writer. That's uh, it's something I said the other day. I said, I said um, writing's one of the one of the few things that we don't have to retire from. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. You I know, mean, why, why would you? Why would? You? Why would I? Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. Don't have I don't to. think you know when I hear somebody say that I don't think they're really retiring from writing. I think they're retiring from the things around the writing life that yeah. annoy them or bother them or make them feel bad. You know, maybe they're retiring from rejection or they're retiring mm-hmm. from not being good at it or something like that, but to suggest that you can retire from expression is um you yeah. know, it, you know, I I don't I, I just, just don't roll that way. I don't roll that way. It's not possible. <laughs> yeah. Some people try, yeah. I guess, you know. Yeah. But, I, I do know some writers who, who it's like, you know, I'm not going to do the convention scene again. Yeah, that's like, well, then don't. You know, right. that's, uh, if that's burned you out, then then don't, you know. Uh, yeah. Just be honest. Just be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, find what you love again. Sure. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's been a distinct pleasure, and I'm looking forward to to reading some more of your work. And uh, wish you a lot of luck. I know that he wants to uh, push your little your your chapter booklet. So tell us where to get a hold of that. Uh, the booklet I just put out uh, online. Yeah. Just um, just go to my Facebook. It's right on there, and uh, you can hit it. Um, it's called Last One Given, and uh, I like to think it's a lot of fun. I wrote all of the poems in it in uh, really two days and um, just kind of threw it out there, and, and it had a really great response, which just is very humbling and flattering to me, um, and it's coming, trust me, at the right time. You know, you always mm-hmm. need that push uh, when you're kind of hot and heavy in the middle of things, and so, um, you know, th- this is the worst time in theory that I could have stopped everything to write a book, especially in two days. But it was very important for me to do that, um, you know, to make sure that people were really clear on who it is that they're dealing with, you know. Mm. So, mm. Yeah. Good. So I did put your information on your Facebook. 
up there, and of course your event that I have coming up. So everyone, the chat again is right down below the information about the show. I've uh, got Facebook dot uh, com slash Scott dot Woods dot five eighty seven. I think you probably get to it with just Scott dot Woods, more than likely. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, that's how you get a hold of him. And, of course, he's on Brick Cave Media website as well. And his book is on there as well, so definitely, you know, click through. And I believe I put that on there. Yeah. So I'm going to have to do that. <laughs> Otherwise, Bob will say, what? You didn't push the book. We hey, we're, and, and we, we got to push the book because, you know, we're, we're we're clamoring to get in front of everybody else in the team there. So that's right. That's right. Right. We're gonna win. We've got to win. I think so. <laughs> I think so. We're way ahead. <laughs> and, I, and that you know, we said we're already way ahead. And I said, okay, now time to you know, to do some interviews. And he's going like, ah. <laughs> I said, no, I'm going to do the interviews because that way. Uh, we can get more things going on for our, our team. Yes, team books. Woo! Right. <laughs> so I, I push in the books there at Brick Cave Media, at BrickCaveBooks.com. Uh, you can find uh, that, you know, Scott's book right there. And, you know, click there wherever you really want to buy it from. Whatever makes you... Uh, wherever you want to actually buy it from. You have Amazon if you want Amazon, or you can buy it directly from Brick Cave Books. So there you go. So he's got some information about your thing coming up here, and that's just terrific. You just got what appears in, in two Ohio anthologies. Mm-hmm. So you got to get that ideas out there and keep them out there. Hey, maybe one of these days I'll actually see you. And, uh, well, we're supposed to be getting me out there sometime, hopefully before the year is out. So that would be uh, awesome. I love, I love Arizona. Yeah, it'd be better uh, later in the year instead of now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's too 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 hot right now, and then it's like uh, rains every afternoon. So it's, it's like you can't decide what it's doing. And of course, you get dust storms, and uh, it's like not a good time. To to be coming to Arizona, but uh, definitely later in the year. October is awesome. The end of October, like it, it always changes right on Halloween. Yeah. Don't don't ask me why it does. Cause the, the weather changes on Halloween, so um, it's it's really cool to be here on Halloween night because you can walk around with you know, if if anything you have a sweater and that's it. No, the first time I was there, I was in November, and I was in his driveway with my shoes off. It was, and then I came home, and it was like snow. You know, like the next day, it was snow, yeah. and so it was just yeah. amazing. It was amazing. So yeah, I have yeah. every intention of coming back. <laughs> Good. Well, well, well. I'm sure that we'll have a big party when that happens. We'll we'll find some some really good food that you can critique. <laughs> <laughs> That's the easy part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, and I'm going to see you soon, and uh, we'll party then. Thank you so much, Patty.
You're welcome. Nice. Bye-bye. That was Scott Woods, and we're so happy to have met him. Uh, wonderful conversation. If you missed any of this, then definitely wait for about an hour. And, uh, you know, that's how much time it takes you. As you eat, you can get back into the water. <laughs> and get back into the water after an hour. Um, you can go ahead and listen to the whole show in its entirety uh, at your leisure. So we were having fun and uh, definitely came through, I think. And you can have fun, too, listening to KWOD Radio. And this is Patty Holstrand. Uh, do a shout-out again to uh, some friends, obviously, Brick K Books. Uh, BrickKBooks.com is... Uh, Got to get in there and take a look at all those wonderful books that I've got. And uh, by the end of this year, they're happy for more. Uh, they've been very, they're getting very busy right now with a lot of a lot of cool books coming up. Uh, so take a look at their website, and and they have definitely some eclectic things. It's got some fantasy, uh, and they've got you know Scott Woods and and his you know a little more deeper uh, poetry, and. Quite a, quite a bit of fantasy in there, but they also now have uh, some some steampunk, which is, of course is really really uh, a hot commodity nowadays. Steampunk stories. So, you know, take a look at the different variety and uh, pick one and check them out because uh, they take their time to put the books out um, in the absolute best format they can. Uh, so they take pride in their work, and that's not done very often anymore in this business. Uh, it's not really done very often in any business. So uh, with that, we appreciate their efforts for cavebooks.com. And you know, take a look. And, of course, we get more hits when you do that, which makes us win our, win our team. Yay! And I want to remind everyone again uh, about the two shout-outs and uh, housing uh, the movie on Kickstarter itself. So if you want to take a look at that, um, see where they stand and see if you can help out a little bit. If you're in Arizona and you like uh, independent filmmaking here in town, you should help your independent filmmakers. So every little bit helps. And then also if, you, if you're into helping uh, internationally and like to help a young man, Christopher, get to uh, from Malaysia to Finland, uh, he needs his visa, he needs his, uh, his passport, he needs, you know, uh, his work visa, all that. He needs all that in, that in order to be able to move from one country to another. So every little bit helps when it comes to that and uh, be able to make his dreams come true. And really, uh, that's the American way. So with that, I'm going to say goodnight. It is uh, always a pleasure talking to those who we have on. And we have a lot of fun talking to Scott. So with that, it's KWOD Radio. And this is Patty Holtstrand signing out. I'm going to be on again next week with my calendar. Actually, I'm going to be going to I'm going to be speaking and teaching at the Poetry Slam. That's Copper State Poetry Slam. I'm writing um, teaching writer workshop for poets. It's about how to design their books, uh, interiors, covers, and how to get their format into uh, into an ebook format? So we'll be discussing the new thing trends of of you know ebooks. Um, again, that's four o'clock in the afternoon, four to five, 
So it gave me an hour or so. Don't be late because we're going to write into it. Um, the writer's workshop, it'll be a roundtable type of thing, as long as I get a roundtable. Um, and I will, you know, we can sit down and talk about uh, the different problems you've been having with your e-books and how to resolve that. Again, I have uh, helped to produce over 60 books and uh, have helped to produce a lot of e-books, um, including children's books, which which have full color pictures and everything. So, um Definitely should be able to pick my brain and find out how to uh, go about doing what you need to do. So that's four o'clock in the afternoon, and then of course stay after after the uh, after my workshop um, and listen to the poetry slam because I tell you it's, it's very animated um, in in the sense that they're very passionate folks that, that do poetry slam and. Uh, and should it, you should say and find out more about that. It's a lot of fun. So we got a lot of things going on this weekend. And Poetry Slam is just one of them. And it's right downtown uh, Phoenix. And, of course, I would, wouldn't write it in my calendar, would I? Right downtown Phoenix. But if you look at uh, Poetry Slam, the Copper State Poetry Slam in your uh, browser, you will come. You'll, you'll find out where it is, what the schedule is. Uh, it does start Friday night, or it does start Friday. So their preliminary rounds are Friday, and then their uh, final rounds are Saturdays, going into the uh, finals on Sunday. So it's like a three-day thing, but it's, it's mostly nighttime. So definitely uh, come on out, and and you know this is not. Uh, in order to enjoy the whole poetry slam, it does cost you a little bit in order to get in because you know they have to pay for their venue. So definitely uh, take a look at that, and, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, poetry, as, as as Bob would say, poetry doesn't have to suck. So this definitely doesn't suck. And let's see what else is going on. We have the cult classic, Never Ending Story, um, and that is at the Pollock Theater in Tempe on the edge of Chandler uh, called Classics Never Ending Story. I'm not sure why you put it out. It usually starts around 9.30 at night, So, uh, but you're more than likely going to have to have your tickets ahead, ahead of time because they've been selling out every every month. And I'm not sure where they stand on their sales right now, but you, know, you need to take a look at it. And then... Uh, if you want to do something earlier in the day, uh, Salt River Tubing, spectacular. So you can, <laughs> I can imagine going down the river uh, in a, uh, as a vampire, you know, uh, sparkling or not sparkling, <laughs> uh, in, in inner tubes. That would be so funny. So. If you guys wanted to find something different, definitely Salt River Tubing Spectacular is definitely different. Um, obviously, they can't do it in October because it's a lot cold, got colder and they don't really do tubing uh, in October here. But um, it is July 20th and that's Saturday. Multiple art, uh, multiple art of video games events. Again, um, this has been a long-standing. 
display at Phoenix Art Museum. And I, I've driven by, by it as an exhibit there. And, and I'm going like, okay, is an art form um, for video games. And honestly, if you really looked at the backgrounds and looked at, at these characters and looked at these monsters these people are, are designing, um, you can see why it's definitely an art form. Um, I've met some of those, those artists, and, and, and uh, the things they create is just awesome. So uh, it's not... It's about time that that we recognized uh, video game designers, um, especially with the, the artistic part of video game design, as an art form. So, kudos for you guys, and it's awesome that they, that the Phoenix Art Museum is actually uh, recognizing that. So, uh, we have a lot of things going on this weekend, and the Celtic Festival. I've heard about this one before, um, and I. Didn't realize it was this weekend. It is all weekend, and honestly, I had to see what else is going on here. Northern Arizona Celtic Heritage Society. So if you look up nachs.info, that's notch info, and they're like nachos, except without the O. <laughs> nachs.info is the Arizona Highland Celtic Festival. Um, I've heard this before, and I've had my aunt who's wanted to go up as an all-weekend thing. Well, just 20th, 21st, and uh, I believe it's ways up to Flagstaff. So it's in Flagstaff this weekend, but it's 9 to 6 p.m. on Saturday and 9 to 4 p.m. on Sunday. So, you know, if you want to go up on Saturday or, or go if you're going to be doing you know, Poetry Slam on Saturday, then you can go up and, and enjoy the Celtic Festival on Sunday from 9 in the morning to 4 in the afternoon in Flagstaff. You know, get out of the heat a little bit. So that definitely be fun. A lot of stuff going on, so go guys go out and enjoy yourselves. So with that, this is Patty Holstrand, and I, I am actually really going to sign out this time, okay? It's almost 7, and we only have 8 minutes left anyway. <laughs> so you guys have a great night, and I will see you next week as we, we have another show, as always. And it's going to be on Thursday. Got a, a show, uh, KWAD Radio's got a show with Sean Ellis. Um, he's a, a he's um, an author of adventure books, so definitely take a look. I have to get it that stuff filled out and and up online. So as soon as I do, you guys will be able to see it. So thanks so much for for a pleasant night and so much thanks so much to Scott Woods for coming on. I'll uh, be from Ohio and talking to us. KWAD Radio. Pat Hillstrand signing out.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.